Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Welcome to another episode of Your Brand Amplified. I'm Annika Jackson here with my fellow PR and communications professional, Brian Rutberg, founder of 3C Communications. Brian, thank you so much for coming on today. What a pleasure to be here. Delighted. Thanks for having me on. Of course. So I'd love for you to tell our audience a little bit more about your backstory and how you got to where you are in founding your communications firm. Yeah, my backstory, the simplest way to look at is I'm a word nerd. I'm just a geek, right? I was always the kid with his nose buried in a book all through, you know, elementary school and junior high and high school and went to college and was an English major. And the chance to play with words and the chance to use language and rhetoric to start the building of relationships between between people, between brands and their customers, and between any two audiences you need to get, it it just frankly turns me on. So I I had a 20-year professional uh, corporate career where I did things like sales and marketing and customer support work, ultimately alliance management, speech writing. Mm. And the two threads that ran through everything I did were... I would always advance by being a clear communicator. And I got lots of credit for my ability to build relationships between Mm. organizations, between companies and their customers. Those are the two things I'm good at. So after that 20-year corporate career and a short stint as a partner in a small consulting firm doing a lot of partnering strategy and marketing strategy, the chance to go out and do my own thing proved hard to resist. (laughs) And I fell back to what's comfortable for me and where do I feel like I can have the most impact with folks. And it's figuring out the right story to tell, telling it really well, and using it to build relationships. So there's a nutshell. I love it. And that's, I think, the crux of the work that we do. My favorite thing is forming relationships, getting people to have that aha moment and see how they are connected with this other company or this other idea or this you know, whatever it is, uh, and bring those together. And that's really what we do. And it's so different than I think about my partner, he's a filmmaker. And he didn't have any understanding of marketing and PR before, you know, he just thought, okay, I'm a creative, I put this project out, and he is storytelling in a different way. But then he didn't know how to communicate that message to the audience outside of this project. And so that's our job. And that's where we come in is helping everybody really figure out yeah, you you did this, but you have to now know how to communicate properly to your audience, whether it's sales, marketing, customer service, et cetera, as you just mentioned. Oh, for sure. That old line of, of build a better mousetrap and the world will beat a path <laughs> to your door. No, market your mousetrap better. It helps <laughs> if it's the best mousetrap or it helps if it's at least a really good mousetrap. But until you can explain to someone what their benefit is in having a mousetrap. If you don't need a mousetrap, you are not going to buy a mousetrap. Right. But if you have any number of other problems, which I can draw to your attention and tell you how I solve that problem with this thing called a mousetrap, now I've got you. Now we're in a dialogue. Yeah. 
And yeah. so just being a creative, oh, I used to think, oh, if I write the world's greatest <laughs> speech, you know, people will be like, well, no, now you've got to deliver it, right? So there's always yeah. another little step. Exactly. And that's something that you have a lot of experience in is um, speech writing, corporate communications, and really helping organizations figure out how to become more productive, more profitable through their communication strategies. Very much so. The, the things that have come to sort of turn me on intellectually and which turn out to be the things that help my clients achieve their objectives are helping them figure out the communications. How do we talk about what we need to talk about in the most effective way? And that's got the two elements of you got to have the right content, right? You have to have the right messaging framework. You have to know the right pillars of your message and educate your team as to how to use them. And you have to have the skill to deliver it well. So there's your communications bucket. But there's also all these things that work on people's psychology that help build stronger relationships and get organizations the results that they want. Mm -hmm. And some of that comes out of the programs that you run. I had the good fortune for a number of years to run Microsoft's executive briefing program and the executive briefing center that it was housed in. And yes, the way we communicated with Microsoft customers inside of that facility and within that program was important. But the actual program itself and all of the associated programs, executive sponsorship programs and uh, customer advisory boards that we built, all of those programs are things that help brands connect with their customers better. And then finally, there's the culture of it all, right? You know, the three C's can stand for there's communications, there's customer programs, and there's also the culture that has to, if we're running a successful business, we're running a business that regularly asks the question, what are our customers telling us? Mm -hmm. And you're driving your marketing plans, your strategic plans, your investment plans through the lens of what will customers value? Because ultimately we're nothing if we don't help them downstream achieve their objectives. Um, All right, I'll get off my soapbox. No, 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 keep, keep it up, keep it up. This is exactly what I teach my students. Um, I teach a branding and public relations graduate class at USC Annenberg. And I've, we're, you know, this is our third week of class and I haven't even gotten to the PR side yet because I really want them to have an in-depth understanding of branding and brand messaging and all of the things, the pillars, all the things that go into it before. Yeah. You, and, that, you know, you have to have that really solid, like the programming. What, it, what is your why? What are you solving? How are you solving it? What is the market saying about what you're trying to do? Before you can get to the other strategies and communications, whether it's PR, whether it's marketing platform, whether it's, you know, your sales messaging, whatever else it is. Now, to pick I just you know, one story of many, yeah. I <laughs> worked for a period of time with a company that was in, well, I was going to say they were in the building supplies business, and then I stopped for a moment to think they were in the business of helping people create beautiful outdoor environments so that they could enjoy their homes more without taking on a ton of work and a ton of expense, mm. right? So their business wasn't creating the preformed wood style, newfangled plastic pieces. Mm -hmm. 
they were in the business of giving the right material to people who could turn it into something beautiful. Think about the example, the Lincoln Logs or Legos mm -hmm. for the real world that would allow homeowners to do to build great outdoor spaces. And we helped them, my team helped them stop thinking about positioning themselves as the best ever creator of deck material and instead help them think about the best ever creator of outdoor spaces that could delight their customers. And that's obviously a much shortened version of you know, <laughs> the exercise that we went through and what we delivered for them. But until you can start to think about the impact you are having with your customer or client base, you're going to make sales, but you're not going to build the kind of love that I like to talk about between customers and the brands that serve them. Yeah, well, that is a perfect segue because I was going to ask you to talk about Lostomers. <laughs> Just as a quick aside, right? As people who, who dig on words, yes, I've been so pleasantly surprised. The, the agonizing that I did with my mentors and peers over should we introduce a term like Lostomer? Are people going to take offense? Are they going to feel like it's weird or suggestive and then once we decided yep we'll just sort of pop it out there and see what happens i've been so touched by the degree to which it gathers it gets attention and people want to know more i guess that's a lesson in taking more dares in your business life you're taking mm -hmm. more chances but no i love that term i have long talked about the steps that can be taken by a customer that brings them closer to the brands that serve them, right? You, you turn a prospect into a customer one time, you get to call them a customer. Two times, oh, now they're a repeat customer. And then you can go through, oh, they can be regular customers. And then you start attributing some emotion to it. Oh, they're a loyal customer. Yeah. And then fans and advocates. And I was looking for something that took us a step or two beyond because it's not just about does someone continue buying from you over time and you can measure that relatively easily with something like the customer lifetime value equation how much do they spend over what period how frequently and then over what period of time and we're all striving to increase each of those three inputs. Can I get them to spend more? Can I get them to spend more regularly? Can I get them to stay a customer longer? But the thing that I got to experience in my Microsoft days and then subsequently with a variety of clients that took us beyond just what that one customer does is this amplifying effect that I think is the hallmark of a customer. Mm. Because we know that as soon as a customer tells a friend or family member or colleague, you know, I work with Annika's company or Brian's company, and I think they have something for you. As soon as they start giving referrals, now you've got a tree that you can start building where customer one leads you to customer two. And we all know that if someone has come to me as a referral, 
They are more likely to close as a customer and move from prospect to customer. They are more likely to stick with me longer. They are more likely to cost less both to close and turn them into a customer and to sell to over time. And they are more likely themselves to give referrals than customers who came to you through your traditional inbound and outbound marketing. Yeah. There's customers who are willing to sit on customer advisory boards. There's customers, we love these at Microsoft, and I've since worked with a couple of other technology companies. We love customers who will say, sure, I'll talk to press or analysts on your behalf. I'll do that magazine interview. I'll get on stage at your next event or some third-party event with one of your executives and say nice things, give a public testimonial. How You can't capture that in your profit and loss sheet, but you know that it's valuable and that's what a customer is. It's the one who's going to stick with you through thick and through thin. They're going to support you and defend you even if necessary mm. on social media. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're not going to stick with you if it's stupid to do so, but they're always going to give you the benefit of the doubt. And they're going to want your company to succeed because they have internalized how you help them accomplish their mission. Absolutely. So what turns somebody from a fan or a high, uh, you know, a super fan into a customer? And I know you also have an ebook that's yes, available yes. that talks through some of the some of the ways to transform customers into customers. So now, I know it'll be in the show notes, but hey, go to <laughs> www.3ccoms.com. And right there in a banner across the top is the offer to download the ebook, Love and Profit, because they're both yes. hugely important emotions, right? Hugely important motivators. Love and Profit, 10 Ways to Transform Customers into Lustomers. But the, the surprisingly simple answer mm. to what separates or what transforms, you can do all of the right things, take all 10 tips and then a you know, hundred more we could get to over a conversation. But until the time that the organization that wants to have customers just takes the trouble to ask, their best customers. Would you join a customer advisory board that we're putting together? We value your opinion. Who do you know who would be a really good customer for us? Who do you know who could really use our stuff? Asking for the referral, asking for the reference, asking for the input. Sometimes that's all it takes is getting someone, inviting someone into a program that you're putting together. Mm -hmm. One of the things we did at Microsoft that I've subsequently watched other organizations do was putting together uh, executive sponsor programs so that a senior leader from the selling organization was assigned a senior decision maker inside of the buying organization. When you're traveling around the world, if you're in this person's geography, look them up or their and or check in with them about every six months. Just make it a rhythmic thing on your calendar and just let this business decision maker inside of an organization know that they've got a friend on the inside, someone they can put on speed dial if things ever go sideways. Shocking the amount of 
benefit that that gets you. And all it takes is inviting someone to say, we'd like to make you part of this special program that we've got for our top customers. And you don't even have to define top. It doesn't have to be mm. your biggest buyers. It can be the folks whose opinion you most highly value. Yeah, you're helping them build those relationships with other people that they might not have otherwise met. And then... So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go from customer to customer because someone says to you, would you talk with a reporter on our behalf? So ask is the, is the answer to your question. Just ask. So this is part of your... Um, your structure of bringing customers, turning customers into customers, communications, creative programming, and culture are three of three of those C's. As you said, there are multiple versions of what can be three C's, what can connote three C's. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. So um, what are some other organizations that you've worked with on helping them turn their customers into customers? We love, we love hearing case studies. If there's any that you can share. <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the descriptive route rather than the naming route. Uh, there are, of course, uh, on my keynote speaker one sheet, there are a couple of logos. So here's a story or two <laughs> with the logo names, and then there's a variety of others, uh, the case study that's on my website is with a software company, Blackbaud Software. They are the top standalone provider of software that helps run nonprofits, hmm. helps nonprofits put together fundraising campaigns, mailings, all that good stuff that keeps a nonprofit in touch with its donor base, volunteer base, et cetera. Year in, year out, between their big customer-facing event, all of their product marketers and all of their product managers do exactly what people in those roles should do. They concentrate really deeply on the product. Sure, they've got input from their customers. They, they know what they hear in the field from mm -hmm. sellers, from their own work. But when it comes time for these product marketers and product managers to get ready to talk with their customer base, they inevitably fall back to their comfort area, which is, let me tell you about all the new features we've built in. And so, not that it's rocket science, they bring in someone like me or one of my colleagues at 3C, and we spend time helping them craft their story about, it's super, you've got this feature. Tell me how it makes the life of one of your users better, easier, yes. cheaper, faster, more likely to succeed. And even better than that, let's focus on telling the nonprofit how it helps their audience achieve their social good objectives better. Mm -hmm. How will it help raise more money so that not just we can cure cancer, but so that a mom can watch her kid walk across the stage at graduation, oh. or we can save that wetlands and the animals that live in it. Because we build better software through multiple steps of users and beneficiaries, you achieve some impact, some doing good in the world. Mm. 
I love that story because it, it ties together all these things that turn me on. It's using language, right? It's using programs, right? It demonstrates love for this planet we share and the people who we share it with because we're achieving objectives that are meaningful. Mm. Um, I had a chance to work with a group at uh, NBC Universal who it was the internal group that was responsible for evaluating ads before they went on the air hmm. and saying, yes, this meets our standards, both legal. As you can imagine, every sales rep who had an advertiser who wanted to put something on the air had a stake in the answer. And these poor lawyers, first time maybe ever that I've used the word poor, I've used words poor yeah. lawyers next to one another. <laughs> these poor lawyers were in the position of having to be the team that people said, well, you always say no to the good stuff. Mm. But there are FCC rules about what can and cannot be said on the air and claims that can be made mm -hmm. and even sounds that can or can't be heard. Do you know you cannot put the sound of a siren into a television ad? Oh. So little things like that. So we worked with this team to help them figure out the story of their team and how their team was really a benefit to all of mm. the NBC Universal family of companies, all of the different you know, MSNBC and CNBC and NBC Sports. <laughs> and we just helped them tell a new story. These are the kinds of things that I love doing. And we've worked with lots of smaller organizations like the folks who did the Legos and Lincoln Logs of building outdoor <laughs> areas and you know, na names that wouldn't mean anything to our listeners. But it's great to be able to help companies figure out how best to articulate what they do that makes their customers' lives better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think the most inspiring thing about what we do in communication is helping other people better express themselves, helping companies better communicate what their message to whichever audience they're trying to communicate to, which is exactly what you're talking about. Because we have to think through how you're going to talk to those lawyers is different than how you're talking to buyers to custom, you know, outside customers, et cetera, et cetera, down the chain. So, so getting that story right and then telling it well, there's nothing quite so satisfying as helping somebody get in front of an audience, whether it's eight people in a room who have to make a decision whether they're going to buy a particular solution or not, or whether it's a thousand people at a customer event. Mm -hmm making that person who's saying the words feel like they've built an honest, true, meaningful connection with that audience so that they can move that audience intellectually from wherever they find them, mm, skeptical or open-minded or whatever, to a, a, a level of understanding or open-mindedness and be able to make that call to action and know that it's actually going to happen. When I work with a client, whether I've done speech writing or just presentation coaching or helped with the content, but not the delivery, hmm. whatever it is, when they walk off that stage and feel like they've accomplished their objective, they've got the response from the audience that they want, or they can foresee a good outcome because their call to action, vote for me or call now operators are standing by or 
please consider giving me the resources that I'm asking for, or think twice about this, whatever it is, that feeling of that's how I get right. Listening, knowing that I've helped someone have the impact they want to have in a way that's building strong relationships and helping yes, them achieve their goal, but even better giving them the satisfaction of knowing they've helped someone else achieve their goal. Absolutely. And that leads us perfectly into talking about communications. You do workshops and you coach on how to improve these storytelling elements from message content to delivery. Um, And some of the tips that you give include like how to be more persuasive, what you should, the three things you should do before a presentation, how you can organize your business writing better, things that we can all use, whether we're in a corporate setting or not. So what are some of those tips when you're thinking about making a presentation? What are things that you should consider before you're making the presentation? Do you know anybody who went to uh, Texas Tech? Probably. Texas Tech is the Aggies, right? That's their their school nickname, the Aggies. So I think of A-G-G-Y. This is my my, point of connection here to keep it (laughs) stuck in people's heads, right? Just like Lustimer sticks in people's heads. One of the key parts of good communication is figuring out a way to get something into someone's head in a way that it won't just go out because most of us don't remember what we've heard as little as an hour later. A-G-G-Y, think about who's in your audience. A lot of the time we've spent today already has been about thinking about who's in your audience. How do you get through to them? And while sometimes this happens subconsciously or unconsciously, the work that I love to do in workshops and with my clients when we're working one-on-one is start making it explicit instead of implicit. Start mm-hmm. making it conscious and mindful instead of subconscious or unconscious. Who's in your audience? What's their mindset as you are introduced to them, whether it's stepping to the front of a boardroom or stepping to the stage? Who's in your audience? What's their point of view towards what you're about to share? And where are you finding? The second thing to consider is what's my goal for this dialogue I'm initiating or this presentation I'm about to give? If I find If I decide that my audience is approaching me either unknowing or skeptical, my goal could be as simple as I want to make them see that this is important so that when I get to step three, my go-do, A-G-G, audience, goal, go-do, my go-do is something they'll actually consider. Have your call to action at the ready. Be explicit. Don't leave it open-ended or wishy-washy. Know what you want your audience to do. And finally, the why is how do you want these people to think about you? Because you could browbeat or bribe people into compliance, but it won't get you very far. Mm. If you think of each interaction as part of an ongoing engagement, an ongoing relationship, there's that word again. Mm -hmm. If I think about my audience, if I think about what my goal is for working with that audience, what my go-do or call to action is, And then I stop and think about how I want them to view me, the organization I represent, whether that's the sales department or the customer support department, 
and my entire company or organization. Now I've thought about the key four things before I sit down and put mm -hmm. pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Because once you're explicit about each of those things, now you've got some guidelines you can stay within. I'm in putting that. I wrote it down. I'm like, yes. See? This makes so much sense. And I think often people forget that call to action. Maybe they'll, maybe they know who their audience is. They kind of know what they're trying to sell or what they're trying to get across, but they don't have that strong call to action. Um, and that makes a big difference. So people can like you all day long, but if you haven't told them what you want or you want them to do, what's that going to get you? Just more people who like you. <laughs> quick story on that. The two parts to it. The working with a client and getting the chance to watch her deliver a presentation to her leadership team, her boss her boss's boss, and then some of the peers of each of those levels above her. I knew we had done a good job working together when I saw the people around the table nodding their heads and looking generally favorable. And then my heart sank just a little bit. Fortunately, we were able to take it as a learning experience rather than a true faux pas. When the most senior person in the room said, okay, but what do you want? Mm. Right? If you have to wait for someone to ask you what you want, you haven't been forceful enough. The flip side of that coin, though, is if you start by telling someone, here's what I'm going to be asking for. Now, let me take you through the logic. As soon as someone says, yeah, we can do that. One of the most valuable lessons I ever got from a boss when I was in my corporate careers was don't sell past the close. If you've got a half hour presentation planned and the most senior person in the room five minutes in says, you know, we should be doing this. That's where you take your bow, real or metaphorical, and say, thank you. Let's talk about implementation mm. or let me give you the rest of your time back. I'll follow up via email or don't give people 16 more reasons why what they've just said is such a great idea because one of them might work against something that's going on in their head right now. Yes. And also just because it's in our minds that, well, I prepared all this material. I need to keep going because this is, you know, it, it, we get caught up in our own minds about it rather than what the customer wants or what the partner wants. And Be if they've clear already- clear on your objective. Yeah. 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 Wow. I love that. Now, you also talk about insight versus information. <laughs> yes. Yeah, this is one where I had the good fortune across my corporate career to rise a couple of levels in some of the organizations that I served so that I was leading teams and sometimes I was managing a set of managers who managed individual contributors. Sometimes I was managing people who managed managers <laughs> and folks down the street. And the consistent issue that we tried to solve you know, when I had a job of doing other things, I also took on the responsibility for helping my team understand better 
what kind of information I needed to find its way to me and in what format I needed to find it showing up in my inbox or in, in status meetings so that I could make immediate use of it with folks who controlled the resources that we wanted to get our hands on or who were watching the programs that my teams were running. And especially for folks earlier in their careers or at any point in their career, but an individual contributor to first level management roles, there's a whole lot of, well, tell me what you know about this. I've got three minutes, go. And then you get 10 minutes of every fact related mm. to the case. That's delivery of information. Well, we tried this, and then we tried that, and then we tried the other thing, and these three things happen, and I noticed this, and this one seems to be a little bit of an outlier or an anomaly, and these seem to... I don't need all of that. And that was the consistent problem statement that was mm -hmm. brought to me by some senior executive clients at a time when they were pressed for time and felt like they were doing too much packaging up of information that found its way to them in order to turn it into concise statements of current status, followed by some sort of a recommendation for action. Mm -hmm. And so turning information into insight and helping anybody at any level of an organization develop the skill to identify curate, test, evaluate, and then report on critical information that runs the business, which it's critical information run the business. Now we get to call it insight mm -hmm. and the impact that it can deliver. Mm. How do you get someone who could take 15 minutes to give you the whole story and get them to deliver it in the length of you know, a tweet or a, a 30 second conversation, because that's what most senior management expects. They know they can always ask for more information, mm -hmm. but how do you boil something down to its essence? And that's become one of our most popular workshops, turning mm -hmm. information into insight. There's probably literally no organization that doesn't have the problem of taking what it learns from face to face or voice-to-voice -voice or online-to-online -online interaction with their customers, prospects, clients, business partners, and turning that vast quantity of information into, here's the issue, here's what we've noticed, here's what we think we should do about it. Yep. Yeah. It's also one of my favorites to deliver because the whole payoff for the multi-hour workshop <laughs> is do you remember Mad Libs from when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Back of mom and dad's station wagon. Yeah. Maybe there's a sibling <laughs> who's annoying. And but we've got it is not the only way we teach this, but one of the tools that we use is it's a simple fill-in-the-blank approach to I have observed such and such. What led me to observe this is, you know, be immediately before this happened, here's what we noticed, or here's what we did, or as soon as this happened, here's what we noticed, or here's what we did, with the payoff of, and here's what I think we should do about mm -hmm. it. It's man lips. It's fill in the blank. Wow. I love this. And I was thinking about how I work with a client, like a PR client or a social media client, which is different than what you do, right? But in some ways, the work we do is the same. I'm looking at 
I'm analyzing the information, all the analytics, what keywords worked, what worked, um, what words and what story worked when I'm pitching to the media, what didn't work, how do we need to pivot? How do we intake that information? It, when we do a uh, media coverage analysis, what keywords kept popping up so that we know, okay, these are the words that are really resonating with your audience whether it's your customers or the journalists that we're trying to pitch. And so we need to take this information and this is how we hone in your messaging going forward. And exactly. What should we do now that we understand this or believe we understand it? Let's right. test <laughs> our understanding. Yeah. Now that we think we understand it, what should we do about it? Watch this space. We could do that. Should we increase something, decrease something, double down, steady as you go? Should we take this idea that we've used in? Idaho and bring it to Montana and Wyoming and Washington and California and Oregon also. Tell me what we should do. Because if you're getting paid by an organization to do their SEO and watch their keyword work and all of that, they're not looking just for the portal. Here's how we did. Here's what we're going to try mm -hmm. next. They're looking for insight. Yeah. They need to know their business better because you've done something to help them get closer to their roots, their customers yeah. that they serve, their online audience that they want to serve. Yeah. Now let's talk about the, your workshops. Are these workshops, can anybody take them? Do they have to be an existing client or can you sign up online and it, does it have to be all of them? Can it just be one of them? I, my company's level of maturity is <laughs> such that Right now, the workshops that we deliver are for clients who engage with us. So mm -hmm. I work with medium and large companies mm -hmm. who observe that they've got a particular issue. They either just need to bring more compassion and empathy into their customer support function, or they need to create a group of sellers who are more like relationship builders than hunters because they've observed some sort of a customer retention issue or something like that. I am not yet at least doing weekend workshops or mm -hmm. online workshops. I do have the intention and aspiration to have an online course at some point that could be delivered to end users, people who want to make an investment in their own career and their own growth or use their company's uh, learning and development funds to do so, professional mm -hmm. development funds. But no, I'm afraid right now, if you're listening to this or watching <laughs> this and you want to learn about the workshops that we offer, by all means, get in touch with me, check out the website and the offerings there. But ultimately, it's going to be a company to company mm -hmm. agreement that gets us delivering. I love the engagements where someone's got a team of 200 and we take them 10 at a time wow. and take them through workshops or we go to the 10 different offices around the around <laughs> North America and deliver the workshops. So no, I'm afraid I'm afraid I have no answer at the moment for the person no, who okay. needs this one on one. The only exception to that that's worth I mean, individual coaching if someone is is interested in making that investment for themselves, and I have had a couple of folks who either use corporate funds or pay out of their own pocket, that kind of work to help an individual become a better presenter 
And the thing that I love the most is when one person, whether I'm working with their full organization or not, approaches them and says, I have a speech to give and it needs to be great. Will you work with me on it? Mm -hmm. That sort of one-on-one work, speech writing, presentation, coaching, public speaking skills, that's more personal delivery than workshop experience, Mm -hmm. but you get a lot of the same information. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I had to ask because, I mean, even as a communications professional, I always want to continue learning as well. And so I'm like, oh, these look really interesting. I can learn so much. And so always have to ask, but we will look for those in the future. We'll look for your online course and your other offerings. And everybody can go to the website and download the ebook. And of course, I'll put that in the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So what continues to inspire and motivate you to continue being a communications expert? Let me change the question a little, if I may. Okay, absolutely. I, I thought what's, what, th- this, whole, this whole conversation about bringing more love into the world of work, Yeah, it's, as I have, those who are watching this as opposed to just listening will see that there's you know, a fair bit of gray hair on top <laughs> of my head. As I've gotten older and watched kids grow up and and come to think about what's meaningful to me. It is the relationships. Communications is a tool. Building strong relationships and getting people to connect with one another is the impact or outcome that I'm after. And I find increasingly the things that inspire me are the things that point out our commonality. Mm. Uh, I'm getting ready. I'm delivering a keynote presentation to close up a client event later this month. And there's some overlap between some of the how-to content that I offer and some of the things that my client's firm offers. And so they've asked me, just focus on the love. Don't worry about the how-to. Focus on what does it mean to really love in the world of business. And threads that I've been introduced to, and take all of this for what you will, but from a regular yoga practice that I started about five years ago, from my own personal religious heritage and some of the best things that I have found in the practice of Judaism, doing you know, that which is hateful to others, don't do it. Everything else is commentary, as the <laughs> saying goes. Um, reading the recently... Uh, the recently departed Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh mm. uh, and his marvelous book that I think summarized a lot of his teachings, Zen and the Art of Saving the Planet, about the interconnectedness of all of us. That mm. drop of rain that falls on you, that enters your uh, where the moisture starts to enter your pores, that you later sweat out, that becomes part mm-hmm. of another cloud, that populates. The, I mean, we're all of us part of the same amazing thing. And all of us in our work are working to accomplish something. Mm -hmm. The more we can help each other and honor each other's desires to accomplish something, to make a difference in the world, there is love and the profit motive are two of the most powerful motivators (laughs) known to humankind. 
finding a way to get those two things closer in people's heads so that they really can approach the organizations and individuals they're serving with love. That's what keeps me walking the two blocks from my house to my office every day because it's meaningful work. When people are accomplishing something that's making the world a better place and when we can look at our work, whether we're, I think of the old Charlie and the Chocolate Factory where Charlie's dad's job was screwing the tops on the toothpaste. How do you look at that as meaningful work? Well, tie yourself into self-care and the the need to brush our teeth a couple of times a day (laughs) and the need not to have the darn thing dry out because that's however you justify it to yourself. Finding a way to express what you do through the lens of love. Mm. That's the answer to your question of what keeps me excited and motivated and wanting to do what I do and sharing that message. I assure you, by the time I get around to doing this 30 to 45 minute closing keynote later this month, that will all come out a little more refined, but you get the idea. It's about bringing the damn love into the conversation. I think that's really important. And it's something that I think that's why a lot of my guests actually come on to this show is because we all have that intentionality of purpose and our purpose and our mission and our passion for what we do and how we're going to help others do what they do even better. And you can really- We're enabling greatness out there. Yeah. And there is no, to me, life, unless you have that love and you have that purpose and you have that passion in everything you do. So- And many of us- I shouldn't speak for others. I know that a fair bit of my corporate career, I got my undergraduate degree. I worked for four years. I went to graduate school. I came out. I had this 20-year corporate career. It worked out rather well. I regularly got sort of tapped on the shoulder metaphorically and told, you know, that job over there that's opening up looks like it could be an interesting one for you. And that's how I made many of my moves inside of organizations. And my move from one organization to another was often facilitated in some way. And yet I don't give myself too much credit for having been real mindful about managing my Mm. career. And maybe this emphasis on mindfulness that I have now is a reaction to that. Maybe it's maturity, but I know people a good deal younger than I am who seem to have way more on the ball than I, than I think I did when I was their age. Mm. But the idea that we, we are helping others and to view, if I can bring the gift of helping people see that earlier in their lives, Mm. that seems, that's the way I want to bring meaning into the world and the impact that I want to have. Yeah, in addition to lustomer and trademarking yes. that term, <laughs> yes. the other term I've trademarked is I'm really, I'm, I'm a hippie with an MBA. <laughs> I, I've got the English major on one side and I love language and rhetoric and, and all of the art behind it. But I also have this appreciation for the profit motive and what actually makes Mm -hmm. things, what gives people the incentive to make stuff go. Mm -hmm. And bringing those two things together 
there's the work of the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years of what my career is going to be. Yeah. I love it. I can't wait to see what's next. And um, we're going to be staying in touch for sure. I look forward to it. Me too. I'm, I'm really thrilled to have met you and finally been able to connect on this podcast. Now I, we already know how to reach you and it'll be in the show notes. So my last question, unless there's anything else you wanted to share that we didn't cover is, do you have a favorite quote or mantra? <laughs> you, it sounds like you have a few. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll limit it to two. And one is slightly tongue in cheek because I know that as a communications professional, sometimes I need to limit my own talking to leave air for <laughs> others. Uh, it, it's, I, 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 only know it from its originals. I know it from its original Spanish. En la boca cerrada, no entran moscas, which means mosquitoes won't fly into a closed mouth, which is a good reminder to keep your mouth shut now and again. <laughs> the, the other, let's give credit to Lennon and McCartney. Mm. All you need is love. Mm. So I got a million of them, but those are the two that we'll, well, we'll leave you with for today. Those are really, um, that's a great way to end this segment. Love, love, love. All we need is love. Love is the answer. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Yeah. We could keep riffing on that. I think I could keep asking you questions and uh, having you pontificate for many, many more hours. But our show is drawing to a close. Brian, thank you we so have an much audience. for joining me. <laughs> if the audience wants more of this, they should listen to other episodes of your podcast. Oh, thank and you. they should get in touch with me because heaven knows both of us are living in this world of let's help people be more effective. And Absolutely. that's the line. So no, thank you for having me. What a delight to get a chance to share a couple of thoughts with you. And I appreciate your use of the word pontificate because sometimes I think <laughs> like that. I'm, I'm up here on a soapbox just preaching to the world like the, the crazy preacher off on the corner. No, 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 not at all. Um, you, what you're saying makes a lot more sense than that crazy preacher. So, and what you're saying I'd is like to think so. are things that all communication professionals and all people in business really need to know, even if they're not a medium to size to large business. They need to understand their audiences. They need to understand how to turn their customers into customers and how to present using the Aggie formula. There you go. Oh, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Brian, thank you. And thank you to our audience for listening to another episode. I'll be back again next week. Want more? Check out AmplifyWithAnnika.com or follow me on socials at AmplifyWithAnnika.com.